Saturday morning, words and coffee. Welcome back. Going to take a look today at Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It's interesting to note that, like a lot of poets from the old days, the really old days, uh, Longfellow, born in 1807, died in 1882. His stuff has kind of been relegated now to being considered almost children's poetry, which I hate as any kind of an insult anyway, because it implies that writing children's works are easy, or is easy, which it is not. But his lyric, he's got a lot of lyric poetry. Longfellow, Paul Revere's Ride, probably the most famous, or maybe still the most taught in schools. But he's got a lot of other great stuff, and I'm going to read one of his more personal poems now, and it's called The Cross of Snow. It's actually a sonnet, and I'll read The Cross of Snow, and then we'll have a little chat about Longfellow and what the poem means, and here we go. In the long, sleepless watches of the night, a gentle face, the face of one long dead, looks at me from the wall, where round its head the night lamp casts a halo of pale light. Here in this room she died, and soul more white never through martyrdom of fire was led to its repose. Nor can in books be read the legend of a life more benedite. There is a mountain in the distant west that, sun-defying, in its deep ravines, displays a cross of snow upon its side. Such is the cross I wear upon my breast these eighteen years, through all the changing scenes and seasons, changeless since the day she died. That's the Cross of Snow by Longfellow. The background on this uh, is that his wife, his second wife, Fanny, died. She was burned. He went for a nap. Uh, this is long into their marriage. They had been married many years. He actually courted her for seven years, and she finally said yes in a letter. And he walked to uh, to her house to see her. I think it was like a 90-minute walk or something to finally go and see her. This is in Massachusetts, of course, uh, where Longfellow lived. He was a professor at Harvard for many years. He was well world-traveled, but... He was living in Massachusetts, and that's where Fanny's family was as well. And so he courted her for seven years. She said yes in a letter. He went and saw her. They got married. The uh, Her father bought Craigie House, which is famous for being George Washington's headquarters in the American Revolution. And that's where Longfellow was living with his wife, and they had six kids, one of whom I believe died very young, but the other five survived into adulthood. Um, but... So one night, Fanny is apparently putting locks of one of her girl's hair in uh, envelopes and sealing it with wax. And somehow or other, Longfellow, he had gone for a nap, and somehow or other, her dress caught fire, Fanny's dress caught fire. Uh, it's not clear how. Years later, the daughter said one of a, a self-lighting match maybe hit the floor and sparked and lit it on fire, or it was more likely the candle that she was using in any event. Longfellow covered her with his, he heard her screams 
and he went and threw a rug on her and covered her with his own body to try and put the flames out. He was successful, but she died the next day. He was badly burned on the hands and face and body, uh, and that's why he has the, you see the portraits of him in later years. Uh, shaving was out of the question after that, shaving his face, so he has that that Santa Claus white beard and a lot of the portraits that you see, very fatherly figure, but not quite by design, more by practical reasons that he couldn't shave. So this poem is written, if we're to take it at face value, 18 years after that. So we'll go through it really quickly. Again, it's a sonnet, which means if you care about this stuff, uh, it's 14 lines, uh, typically. It's like a Shakespearean sonnet in the sense that it's 14 lines, 10 syllables per line. Uh, The rhyming scheme here is A, B, B, A, as opposed to the Shakespearean uh, A, B, A, B. But So we'll go through it really quickly here. And he says, In the long sleepless watches of the night, a gentle face, the face of one long dead, looks at me from the wall. And that's obviously his wife, the portrait of his wife on the wall looking at him. Where round its head the night lamp casts a halo, halo of pale light. Here in this room she died, and soul more white never through martyrdom of fire was led to its repose. That's an interesting image, um, you know, to think that Longfellow's writing this in the room where his wife died. You know, nowadays I think it's fairly common people think that if someone dies in the home or something, you move, you want to get away from it. That doesn't always happen for one, and for two, it did certainly probably didn't happen, certainly probably, but it probably didn't happen uh, back in the day because it was it was more difficult, I think, maybe to move. You know, you just didn't pick up and go wherever you wanted. Um, you kind of stayed put in the family homestead. So, you know, he's in this room writing this poem in the room where she died, which is a pretty powerful thought. And the interesting image is that the soul more white never through martyrdom of fire was led to its repose. So this beautiful, uh, pure soul. Martyrdom, of course, where what happened to the martyrs often? They were burned at the stake. Uh, so he's, you know, there's a comparison there of these pure souls being uh, led to their repose through fire. Uh, he goes on, and then there's that switch, right? Oh, by the way, when he says the legend of a life more uh, benedite, benedite's kind of a lost word now. Uh, it's revered. Uh, uh, the legend of a life more uh, benedite is revered or holy or or that kind of thing. Uh, Then there's that switch, which I like a lot, uh, in the last third of the poem where he suddenly switches from uh, the personal and he switches with, there is a mountain in the distant west that sun-defying in its deep ravines displays a cross of snow upon its side, such as the cross I wear upon my breast these 18 years through all the changing scenes and seasons, changeless since the day she died. Apparently, I was reading, and there's no way to, I think, really know, but unless he wrote it autobiographically somewhere, but apparently he did see a photo of uh, the Mount of the Holy Cross. It's a mountain in Colorado, and if you're there at the right time of year and you're at the right angle, and you, you can find the pictures online, and you take a snap of it, there's a huge white cross, a perfect cross made out of snow on the side of the mountain because... The snow melts, but the mountain uh, was formed in such a way there's deep ravines running horizontally and vertically. So the vertical and horizontal beams of this cross are filled with snow. And so they remain white while the rest of the mountain is black. And uh, so you end up with this 
this cross, and he had seen a photo of it, apparently. And that's where this idea came from, where he suddenly makes this switch and starts talking about, there is a mountain in the distant west that's undefying, and its deep ravines displays a cross of snow upon its side, such as the cross I wear upon my breast, uh, through all the changing seasons. seasons. So, and it doesn't matter that it's summertime and all the snow around it has melted, that cross remains. And I think that's what he's getting at here, of course, is no matter how much time has passed, this cross is etched into his heart from the loss of the love of his life. He was married twice. His, younger, his, wife, uh, his first wife died at 22. He was quite young. She died uh, with, after a miscarriage in childbirth. Well, not childbirth, but after a miscarriage. She was sick and died. And, uh, and that was grievous enough. And then this, and the horror of someone you love being burned and then the next day dying and everything. And it must just be unbelievably, unimaginable pain. And so the cross of snow, you know, burned upon that white cross, burned upon his heart. And that is uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, The Cross of Snow. Have some more reading of some Longfellow when you have a chance. And certainly, if you're in the mood, he's... Uh, He's got some happier stuff. But this is his most, I think, personal. This wasn't published, by the way, until after he died. He rarely wrote poetry about his own life or his own feelings, as it were. He spent a lot of time talking about uh, general things or ancient history or American history and, and maybe some natural history like nature and stuff. But rarely did he go into the first person and start talking about his own feelings. So kind of a rare one and I think a beautiful one, too. And that is Saturday Morning Words and Coffee. I hope you're having a delicious cup of coffee somewhere, and I hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.